witnessed UTEP with a straight sets win over Clemson to punch their ticket into the semifinals of the NIVC. The crowd was electric. The crowd was packed. And the big story is the play of the team. And then in between the second and third set, new UTEP head football coach Scotty Walden got out there. And it, it seemed like it was something out of the page of like a, a WWE match from the 80s. He just sprinted around, started like getting the crowd all fired up, got in the microphone, started yelling and screaming. And you can tell that uh, he was uh, – what a great way to uh, start it off for a head coach, right? His first UTEP sporting event – is a uh, sold-out crowd to watch a, a UTEP volleyball match. Yeah, I'm not I'm not going to take away anything from the volleyball team first with, with what I say because, man, what a victory. Uh, they also face a little bit of adversity. I was watching the game on ESPN+. Plus. Great job by Duke Keith calling the action in this volleyball matchup. And I, I thought that they actually faced adversity. They had a chance to, to actually lose the, in the game. But yep. they persevered. They pushed through it. And as a result, they ended up closing it out and beating Clemson when it was all said and done, uh, the fact that coach fired everybody up, I mean, even both teams stopped for a second. Like That's what I would notice also on the ESPN Plus broadcast. They they stopped and they watched the coach just uh, go all over the court uh, and be real excited and pump up the crowd. I mean, what a 48 hours, which is now trickling into 72 hours uh, yep. for the first three days of Scotty Walden here at UTEP. It's crazy. And um, should we really be too surprised with uh, what we had a chance to see. I mean, that's just that that's just him, right? I mean, he's being himself. It's not like you're really seeing anything that he's not. Here's a guy that just uh loves to get fired up. Simple as that. Exactly. You know, another thing that I, I love about uh, Scotty Walden, his uh, the fact that he is so media friendly, he joined us for almost 20 minutes yesterday, Steve, ahead of all of this. And he is, um, I, I don't want to spoil too much, but he might make another appearance on 600 ESPN El Paso before the week ends. I love the fact that he's doing this early on into his tenure as head coach at UTEP. Yeah, I do too. It's very, very cool. And uh, again, it's, it's what you want to see. It really is. Somebody that's just involved, excited, and uh, more than anything else, uh, he's, 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 a, he's a fan. That's the best way to put it. And the energy. My God. Can you imagine how the athletes are going to be feeding off of that energy? I mean, you don't really see head coaches that could probably go out there and start banging around without a helmet and have no problem with it, and that seems to be what uh, what he's all about. So Scotty was there with family, excited to see what happened as far as the UTEP performance goes. Adrian, you mentioned it. There was some adversity, but realistically, when you win 3-1 uh, you know, and knock Clemson out, uh, that was big for them. And you're right. Uh, when Clemson took the um, the third set, and all of a sudden, in the fourth, things were getting kind of interesting. UTEP had one stretch where they just pulled away and really never looked back after that. And the crowd helped fire them up. The atmosphere was electric. And, uh, again, it's, it, shows, it just goes to show you how starved this city is for a winner. Think about this. We're not talking about the UTEP volleyball team in an NCAA regional. We're talking about them in the NIVC uh, bracket. And... To, the, to, to minor fans, they don't really care. They just want to see a team that can win, excite them, and get people pumped and get them going. That's really all they're looking for right now. 
That crowd was electric. The fact that fans stormed the court afterward, and there was a, yeah. a, a lot of students there as well. They were all excited, fired up to be a part of it. That's what you want to see. I mean, that just it makes you excited uh, that this is one of those things uh, that is going on in town right now. And the, everybody kind of knows about this too, Steve. You ask people about the volleyball program, everybody speaks positively about Ben Wallace, the squad, and what they've been able to do here in this postseason run. Yeah, that's right. That is right. Um, no, I love it. I absolutely love it. Um, as we get going here on the program, again, you want if you were there last night, you want to talk about it. We'd love to hear from you. Saw our pal Michael Tipton. He was there with the family last night. Um, and uh, just one of many people that were out there. Uh, Jim Ward, whose uh, restaurant, uh, Eloise, will be going on sale tomorrow at uh, 10 a.m. for our dining deals. We're talking about uh, one of the original members of At the Drive-In and then Sparta and uh, and, and so many bands. His solo project, Sleeper Car. He was there with his wife, Christine, and checking nice. it all out. Hey, and love, uh, just having a lot of fun. Hey, I, just real quick, Steve. Sorry to uh, jump in there. I love the new location for Eloise, by the way. So congratulations to Jim Ward, the great staff, his wife, out at the uh, new location, 126 Shadow Mountain. Uh, that new location is awesome. I love it. It's big, and it's perfect to take friends, perfect for a night out, uh, perfect eats. I love the nachos out there, and they do a great job oh, yeah. at Eloise. Let's uh, talk to the man of the hour. He is uh, head coach uh, Ben Wallace, who is here right now with his team for a viewing party. Look, I wanted to get you on the show today, and I figured, well, if you can't come to us, <laughs> we're, coming gonna, us. we're coming to you. That's <laughs> as simple as that. Good to see you, and uh, congratulations on last night. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. I'm, uh, I'm glad you're here. It's a, I love this place. I love Union Draft House a lot. I mean, I think Nick Bauer and his, his group that own this uh, – these couple of spots across the city they are really fun places to watch sports. And I thought, what better place than to come pop up here in the, the upper uh, area and just yeah. watch some, watch a little volleyball, see who we play on uh, on Sunday, and, and we'll go from there, man. Well, that's the best way to go because right now we've got the match that started about 10 minutes ago, South Florida and Georgia Southern. Uh, handicap that for me. Yeah, South Florida's got two uh, spectacular outside hitters. They're both foreign. One's from Brazil. Uh, the other one's from Turkey. They set uh, like over 50% of their offense goes through those two. When they're playing well, they're hard to beat. When they're not playing well, they're beatable. Uh, Georgia Southern, on the other hand, is in a 6-2, similar to ours. They play really hard. they got a really good defense. they got a good blocking team. They play in a tough conference at Sun Belt. So it's going to be a pretty good matchup. It's going to be a pretty, uh, pretty close game. I don't care who we play. I mean, honestly, it, one, of the, one of these two teams is, is, uh, is, is, is going to have to deal with, um, with our team playing really well, and I'm excited to see who's, who we're waiting for. Who needs to win in order for Sunday to be held out at Memorial Gym? Um, well, I, it all depends on the committee. Uh, I okay. think that uh, the committee will look at whoever wins. We have the best RPA left in the, in the tournament other than Wichita State, and we're, we're, we're separated by two points. Mm-hmm. I think they're 62 and we're 64, or, or they're 64 and we're 66. So really it just depends – on what the committee thinks. I know that South Florida and Georgia Southern would love to both host. Sure they would. But at the end of the day, when we're putting 3,600 people in the gym and we're winning at a high level and we're, we're a quality high, you know, low, low RPI team with a, with a great record, I think we have a really good shot of hosting on Sunday. Is there anybody left in this tournament that's putting as many fans in right now to watch these matches? There's not a lot of people in America that are putting enough fans in the, in the gym in relation to what, what we're doing in Memorial. I mean, I was telling somebody this morning um, – that there's probably only ten teams in America that can that can sell out their arena, for volleyball, for college volleyball, 
And the fact that we did that last night is spectacular. I think it's a testament to a lot of people at UTEP working really hard to get the, get the butts in the seats, especially our team and our staff for several years. Andrea Beatty, who used to coach with us uh, before she took off to Syracuse and then Denver, and now she's the head coach at St. Louis, uh, was like, man, coach, that's been coming for a long time, and I'm really proud of you guys. So, uh, But there's, I mean, there's only the Nebraskas, the Wisconsins, the Minnesotas, Hawaii of the world that can sell out their arena. So to get that done here in El Paso is really a, a spectacular, really cool thing. Did Jackie Simpson Kerr, the head coach of Clemson, oh. tell you about what that atmosphere was like for her and her club after the match? Absolutely. She was very gracious and also very professional at the end. She walked up and she's like, Ben, thank you so much, man. This was a fun match. Uh, you know, she said that we took great care of her. She said everybody in El Paso was really good to us. We were taken really well, uh, taken care of very well. Uh, she said it was a great match to play. It was a great match to coach. Uh, and she was very, very humble and gracious at the end, and she was very impressed with our team. Uh, and she was also very impressed with how we've changed and been different since we had those injuries and people out earlier in the year because we played them in September. So it's been two, two and a half months since we played them, and so obviously we've gotten better, uh, and they have too, but we, we were playing at a really high level last night. I think getting better but also having to rely on different players, that's mm-hmm. the most important thing because many of your uh, some of your best players were, were in that early season match. They're not in right now. That's right. Yeah, I mean, we didn't have Kalia when we played them there, and, you know, Kalia probably should have been freshman of the year in the conference. Uh, and, you know, being, in a, being a setter and in a 6-2 offense where she's not in all the time, I think that probably hurt her a little bit, but she was easily the most impactful freshman in our conference. So we didn't have her the first time, and she does a lot for us. Um, not just setting the ball. She's a great defender. She's a tough server, and she's a bulldog. She's a winner. And so not having her the first time we played them, that was, a, that was a big piece of the puzzle. But also having Ollie on the left, you know, getting Marianne in the game. Marianne did not play the first time when we played them in, uh, um, in New Orleans. And Marianne was one of the best players on the floor last night for us, 13 kills, and she was really awesome. Yeah, I'll tell you what. I felt like um, this team, not just the kills – but the blocks, mm-hmm. so many blocks. I guess there's one thing last night that you probably will say you want to see them just eliminate would be some of those uh, service errors that happen because you always try to have fewer service errors uh, than you do, um, uh, what is it? Um, aces, I, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Aces, yeah. Exactly. I, you know, if some people get a little bit lost in the in the service error category, they, they equate, you know, misses to points, okay? So let me put it to you in terms of uh, – let me put it to you in terms of baseball. It's like really good hitter and a, and a pitcher, right? If that pitcher slots a, a couple of balls in the strike zone because they're trying to strike them out, uh, they're going to hit that ball over the fence. Okay. Correct? So if you don't try to pitch them up in the zone, down in the zone, inside, and drop one in the dirt every once in a while, if yeah. you don't do that, they're going to smoke the ball over the fence. So the same way with serving. You've got to miss a few times to take some risks and some chances. Otherwise, that team is going to pass it well, set it well, and hit it well back at you. So there's risk versus reward. And we're one of the best serving teams in America because of it, but we're also very high error. So that ratio should generally be like I'm good with four misses a set. Okay, three to four. Three is perfect. Mm-hmm. If we miss three, that means we're serving really nasty and we're hoping to get three or four aces yeah. or we're pressuring the hell out of them. And last night we got – uh, I think we had 10 errors and 8 aces. That's a really good ratio. I think that's good to know. So people realize yeah. that the service errors are not due to fatigue. No. It's due to simply trying to place the ball either low or high that's in correct. a certain spot. Or, or left or right. Right, yeah. and, it, and it misses. So, that's right. I mean, because sometimes people will watch these matches and they'll see these service errors and they'll think, oh, man, this team is, this team is they're, they're right. just, they're gassed. Yeah. But that's not the case at all. Well, and also sometimes it, it, they think of it as a lack of, like, attention to detail. You know, you're back there and, you know, 
think about really, really good pitchers uh, over the course of time in, in Major League Baseball yeah. that miss by a ball or two on purpose, but they're setting up another pitch. And so we do that from the service line. We will drive you deep, and we'll drive you in a seam on purpose and then drop one in front of you. And that's something this team, in relation to a lot of my other teams, have, ha- have that others didn't. We can go, go curveball. We can go changeup. We can go splitter. We can go fastball. Uh, we got a lot of ways to hurt you from the service line, but part of that is the risk, and you're yep. going to miss every once in a while. So if we average around three misses a set, but we're pressuring the way we've been pressuring, we're going to be really in really good shape. I'll tell you what, the crowd was terrific. We know that. Scotty Walden loved it, and then oh he gosh. got up there, and in between the second and third set, decided that he was going to try to fire up the crowd like they even needed to be fired up. Hey, you know what? I hadn't met him yet until, until the actual game, and so I met his wife at the press conference. I gave her two volleyball shirts, one for her and one for him. And I said, these are for tonight when you guys come. And I said, I hope to see you guys there. I look forward to meeting you. And I met her before the game. Mm-hmm. He was in his suit, and he was doing his, you know, football coach thing. Yep. You know what I mean? Yep. And getting a chance to meet people and kiss some babies and hug some necks. Right. But then he went and changed in our equipment closet to put his volleyball shirt on. And that meant a lot to me because he wanted to show the support for our team. And when he got out there, he did what I think he's going to do for a long time here in the city of El Paso, which is just exude energy, be him. You know, that's him. He wasn't putting on a show last night. That's him. Like, that's the way he is. He is fully on board with, you know, bringing energy every day. He's a ball of fire. I think he's going to fit in great here. Uh, my assistant, Courtney, giggled after the match and said she's going to start a podcast with Lily Valdespino, our uh, SID. Yeah. And it's going to be me, Joe, and Scotty on it. And they're going to put a time limit on how long we can talk. Oh, that's going to be – I like that show. That, that, that that's show gonna be will be a good fun. show. Yeah, it will be. It'll be a lot of fights. At least you sound like it's a presidential time. campaign where you get, you know, your mic just shuts off after a certain time, and I said you're going to have to do that with those three people. Oh, I love that. That is terrific. Um, all right, so you've been a part of so many NCAA teams over the years in New Mexico State and really what Mike's done for all these years. Now, here you are at UTEP. You're building it. You're seeing the results. You saw the crowd on, uh, on, on Wednesday. You might get another shot again on, on Sunday. How do you describe as a head coach really what, what an experience like this, what it means to you? Well, it means a lot to us and to our team uh, because of the extra little motivation and juice it gives us to know that we're going to have that crowd behind us. But it also does a lot for our recruiting and for our fan base and for our program's growth. Last night we got a commitment from a local El Paso player. I can't name her because uh, she's not you know, signed and committed yet. Yep. But she, she was there and saw our crowds, and, and we're just – those things are immeasurable. To show people, even in El Paso and outside of El Paso, what we're doing here, why wouldn't you want to come and play in front of 3,600 pe- you know, people? Yep. Or just – we averaged over 1,200 this year. So just to come in a regular average volleyball match on a Sunday or Saturday in Conference USA, you're going to be playing in from sometimes twelve to 2,000 people. That is worth its weight in gold. People want to play in front of a big, giant crowd and have their juices flowing. They don't want to play in a boring arena with 12, 15, 200 people. They want to play in front of a crowd. And so that's really helping us right now on a lot of fronts, uh, but also the city starting to really see the product that we put together for the last five years. And uh, they're really starting to be excited about minor volleyball. If this is any uh, really idea about what to expect here, Georgia Southern leads 17-16 over South Florida in the first set. We could be going uh, all five with these two teams. Very close, yeah. I mean, I, I think they're both 21 teams. They're both very good. One plays in the AAC. It's a tough conference. And the other one plays in the, in the Sun Belt. Sun Belt had four teams in the NCAA tournament. And uh, the AAC, I believe, had three. Wow. So they're both very good conferences, very tough conferences. 
and uh, we're, we're, we're ready to match up, man. We're looking forward to it. My team's upstairs just having some appetizers and uh, hanging out and watching some volleyball and just taking a deep breath and enjoying our crowd from last night and enjoying that win. I hope CUSA gets to a point where we can start sending three or four teams to the NCAA tournament. Well, in 2021, we were the third. We, we were 46 in the RPI, and they took 45. So we were about to get three bids that year. Um, had we not faltered with some injuries and things this year, we were we were in in running for an at large bid this year to get two two teams in. Mm-hmm. So Conference USA is generally a two to three bid league, and we haven't made it a three bid league yet. UTEP hasn't, but we're about to get back to that place because you, you know Delaware just joined our conference. They they won their conference and went to the NCAA tournament. Okay, Kennesaw State's a twenty win team. You got Liberty now. You got New Mexico State. You got Middle Tennessee. You've got really good volleyball teams in, in Conference USA, so it's going to be a gauntlet for the next several years, but that's also going to help our RPIs, knowing that we're playing 20-win and 19-win teams all through conference. So uh, the, the, the quality of volleyball in Conference USA is on the way up. Excellent. Hey, yeah. listen, get back up there to enjoy with your team. Appreciate we'll you, look man. forward to having uh, some of the girls come down during the course of the show over the next couple hours. Love and it. Uh, Man, happy to be here. Congratulations on uh, just a spectacular run for you. You got it, man. I'm going to send down uh, Torrance first so she can make you laugh. No, always does. All right. That'll be great. Thank Thanks, you. Thanks, man. Appreciate you, Steve. Ben Wallace getting us started here on Sports Talk. Coming up next, Jay Jaffe. He'll talk a little baseball and beer. And later on, Torrance Lovesey, members of the Utah volleyball team as we continue. Let's send it out right now to Charlie Wanagan get our first traffic update 25 past the hour as we continue live out here at union draft house sunland park 100 beers on tap not to mention handcrafted food and beautiful service man i know a guy who would love to be uh, at a sports bar and restaurant with 100 beers on tap he's this man jay jaffe who talks baseball and beer with us every week from our friends at fangrafts.com and uh, jay welcome back to the show it's it's great to have you on and Obviously, your timing is impeccable because with the Juan Soto Yankees trade that was uh, finalized last night, sends us uh, some shockwaves through the baseball world, knowing that the Yankees have another big star for the 2024 season. Yeah, the Yankees really needed to do something to, to prop up their offense, which was really bad last year and particularly bad in left field. Uh, and Juan Soto is, is a wonderful fit uh, for, for that um, you're talking about one of the best hitters in baseball. Um, you know, he didn't have a great season last year by his standards, but uh, he is uh, just 25 years old and um, is is on track to be one of, one of the all-time greats in terms of what he's done uh, at, at his young age. So, um, you know, he's got one year before free agency, so this is a short-term deal. Maybe the Yankees will be able to uh, make him an offer. Uh, for an extension before he hits the market, or maybe they're going to pursue him uh, as a free agent. But uh, for now, he definitely improves the 2024 product. He, he costs them a lot of young pitching, but um, some of it uh, a little bit on the higher end. But um, for the type of talent you're getting here, uh, this was a no-brainer for the Yankees, and, and good on them for pulling it off. So some Yankee fans feel they fleeced the Padres with the return that San Diego got. San Diego fans aren't overly thrilled with four pitchers and a, and a big league catcher as the return. But knowing it could be a one-year rental, you tell me, did you feel like the Padres did good addressing the needs with, uh, with four young arms? Yeah, they lost over 600 innings of, of Major League pitching this past year, uh, including Blake Snell. Uh, and Josh Hader to free agency. So they have to do something to round out that rotation, and, and their budget is a bit tight right now. Uh, the loss of their uh, broadcasting deal 
uh, is having a big impact on their budget. Uh, the death of Peter Seidler, certainly, uh, who's the one who had the vision for, for how, the, how their, this uh, spending was all going to pay off in the end, uh, also having an impact, but uh, uh, that and the fact that they missed the playoffs. So they've got to cut some, you know, cut some costs here. Um, Michael King uh, did very well in the rotation uh, with the Yankees late last year and has pitched very well for them overall since, since coming up. Uh, Drew Thorpe is one of their top pitching prospects, perhaps their top pitching prospect until this trade. Um, the rest is, is kind of back rotation filler, uh, but those two guys – um, they're going to have six years of club control for Thorpe, uh, two years of club control for King. Uh, that's that's a gr- that's a great return for uh, you know the, for the for one year of Juan Soto. Yeah, I would agree with that. As far as the Yankees go, I know they're not done. In fact, uh, you know the move helps, uh, but it still also means that Aaron Judge might be uh, in center field in 2024, despite Trent Grisham uh, and Alex Verdugo coming over. You tell me, how many more moves do you think the Yankees need to make in order to stay right there, not just with the top teams in the AL East, but the Houston Astros and, and really the top teams uh, in baseball? Yeah, I mean their lineup still needs still needs some help here. Um, their starting pitching still needs some help. Uh, their bullpen still needs some help. Um, you know they've got a lot of uncertainty here uh, in all of those areas. Juan Soto you know, doesn't solve things uh, by himself. The outfield pieces don't fit together great. Um, Trent Grisham uh, can can maybe do some uh, uh, caddying uh, if Aaron Judge is going to be the regular center fielder. I hate the Alex Verdugo trade. Uh, I am not a fan of that guy on any level. Um, you know, I would. I, I was hoping uh, for the Yankees that that he was going to be a piece that was going to be flipped uh, to the Padres, but uh, in, in that in the Soto trade, but uh, that wasn't the case. Um, he does not. You know, he improves uh, um, uh, the outfield production only be, only by getting it up to league average, which it was not. Uh, besides Aaron Judge last year, but uh, this is a guy who has failed to live up to expectations and had some uh, behavioral issues off the field as well. So uh, I'm not terribly optimistic that he's going to be a big help other than maybe a change of scenery uh, contributing to, to that. Now, if they land Yamamoto for that rotation, that would make a big, big difference and give Garrett Cole some much-needed support uh, after the top of the rotation. Yeah, they had so many injuries last year that that uh, really they need they need another strong starter besides Cole. I mean, uh, Nelson Cortez was uh, was an All Star in 2022 and was uh, replacement level in 2023. Uh, Carlos Rodon, their big their big uh, free agent acquisition, uh, dealt with injuries for most of the year and, and and really was ineffective when he came back. So hopefully, with a full season of a full off season of training, uh, he will be uh, in a much better place. Um, they've got to they've 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 got to depend on the in-house guys to do well, but yeah, they need a strong uh, pitcher from outside the organization. And Yamamoto is 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 the best uh, out there. He's going to cost a, a lot of money, but uh, uh, all the scouts think that uh, this this guy's the real deal. And and uh, I think if given the opportunity, the Yankees uh, should pay that cost. More with Jay as sports talk continues. But first, right back to Adrian and this Sports Center update.
with Jay Jaffe right now, uh, who is back from Nashville in the winter meetings. I'll get to that in a moment, but there were other signings that happened as a result of the winter meetings, Jay. Craig Kimball goes to the Orioles on a one-year deal and says he wants to win. And then the Diamondbacks landing um, Erod for four years, $80 million. Eduardo Rodriguez, let's talk about both of those pitchers and what their deals mean to their respective teams. Um, let's see. Well, first of all, Kimbrel, uh, with, with the loss of Felix Bautista to Tommy John surgery, Kim, Kimbrel is uh, uh, a decent fill-in. He's bounced around a lot the last few years. Um, has pitched, let's see here, for the, uh, uh, for the Cubs, the White Sox, the Dodgers, and the Phillies in the last three seasons. So this will be his fifth team in, in four seasons. Uh, he's had a partial resurgence uh Compared to where he was in 2019 and 2020 when he was uh, uh, with astronomical ERAs, but he's still vulnerable uh, to losing his uh, uh, losing his delivery a bit, getting over rotational um, and uh, and getting hit, uh, and also struggling with his control. We saw that in the postseason. Uh, he had he had uh, some some big moments that didn't turn out so well, um, but. Uh, I think that he is uh, somebody who can certainly help that bullpen, whether he's closing, which I think is the intention, uh, or setting up uh, behind uh, Yenny or Cano, um, who did very well once uh, Felix Batista went down. A solid move by the Orioles. Uh, good to see them spending money. Um, as for uh, Rodriguez, um, you know he he opted out of his deal in Detroit, uh, improved his lot a bit certainly by by signing with a, a winning team. Uh, the Tigers tr- uh, tried to trade him to the Dodgers this past year, but uh, he invoked his no trade clause uh, due to family issues. Um, this is a good reset for him. He's coming off of a pretty strong season: 26 starts, 330 earned run average, uh, three WAR by FanGraphs. Um, he will help the Diamondbacks, uh, whose rotation uh, really uh, lacked depth, as we saw in the postseason. They were getting by with just three starters. Um, this is a this is a big upgrade for them. Can you explain what Jaime Candelario is doing uh, with the Reds? That was one move I, I didn't really understand. Um, you know, I'm not sure I know what, what's going on there other than the fact that they are probably going to make a trade because they are awash in infield prospects, or young, not SI prospects anymore, uh, youngsters yeah. with, with Ellie De La Cruz and uh, um, uh, Jonathan India and, and Matt McCain. Uh, they're gonna. They're gonna. Uh, this sets them up to to make a trade for some pitching, which is really something that that they need. Um, you know. Also, oh, sorry. Uh, Noel V. Marte was the other one that I meant that I meant uh, to mention. Um, they've got. They're awash in infielders, so they've got uh, uh, some moves in them here. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how it all pans out. They've also got some positional flexibility. Uh, Candelario can play multiple positions and McLean can play multiple positions so can Spencer Steer who now has been bumped to the outfield um, but I think uh, you're going to see them trade something uh, somebody for pitching here Jay Jaffe uh, talks to us every week uh, from Fangraphs. You got a lot of Hall of Fame articles. You held a, a chat out uh, a couple of days ago in Nashville, and you also wrote about Jimmy Leland uh, getting into the Hall of Fame. Your reaction when you heard the news that he was the only candidate elected from uh, the eight-man slate? Uh, very happy for Leland. Uh, he, was, he was, to me, the most deserving of the four managers, uh, thanks to the multiple pennants, uh, three pennants, everybody else on there. Uh, Lupinella and Davey Johnson only had one. Uh, they never got back to the World Series after winning it early in their careers. 
Cito <coughs> uh, Gaston won two, but had a very short managerial career. I was disappointed that Bill White came so close without getting in, and I kind of feel for Pernella as well, missing by just one vote for the second time in a row, uh, regardless of where I see his merits. I don't want to see anybody go through that and then have to wait three more years for another shot, knowing that uh, uh, they have not been in good health. Um, White, to me, was the strongest candidate uh, on that ballot uh, due to his combination, the combination of uh, uh, careers that he had as a player, um, as a play-by-play broadcaster, where he was the first black broadcasting uh, play-by-play man in, in, in all of the country, uh, and as a uh, pioneering executive as well as the, the president of the National League in the late 80s, early 90s, um, overseeing expansion. <coughs> Sorry, excuse me. Um, Take your time for a second, Jay. Get your get yourself together, and then we'll give you a minute if you need to get a sip or something like that before we get to continue. So go ahead. Um, no, the the impact of, of what White did, particularly when he was uh, a player speaking out on the segregated housing facilities uh, in spring training and spurring change uh, in that regard, was was a huge thing. I really thought it was his moment. He's 89 years old. I hope he's I hope he's alive to get another chance uh, three years down the road because to me, uh, he was the most worthy one there. All right, let's wrap it up. Beer pick of the week. You were in Nashville. I'm sure you had a chance to check out a few things uh, while you were enjoying the winter meetings. What would you like to profile for our listeners this week, Jay? Yeah, let's see. You know, the beer selection wasn't great because the Opryland Hotel is just a huge, overwhelming place, and they don't have a lot of creativity there. But the one beer I I, I kept coming back to, uh, this is the Yeehaw Brewing Company's uh, Cerveza. Uh, it's a Mexican lager, 4.8%. Um, it's made with Tennessee flaked corn uh, and locally sourced malts. It's a, it's a nice uh, uh, nice upgrade on the typical Mexican lager. Had I, I had a lot of this stuff because, you know, people are buying you beers, you're socializing at happy hour, going to dinner, coming back, having more beer, talking into the night. Um, nice, easy-drinking uh, session beer. Um, Yeehaw also had an IPA that I tried that was that was pretty solid. There just weren't very many options at the, at the bar that we were at, uh, so I was pretty careful about what I was drinking and uh, mostly just uh, uh, trying to go with the flow here uh, with the uh, session beers. For those wondering, the Yeehaw Brewing Company is located in Johnson City, Tennessee, and yes, uh, the Cerveza, the Mexican-style lager, the pick for Jay this week. Hey, I enjoyed it as always. Welcome back to town. Good to have you. And, uh, hey, happy Passover. We'll look forward to having you back on the show here again next week. I'm sorry, happy. Right, I meant happy Hanukkah. Happy Passover. Happy I'm, I'm, I'm about six months off on the uh, skeleton. There you go. You Thanks, close. Jay. All right. All right. Take care, Steve. Uh, yes. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, about as close as the uh, some of the Hall of Fame ballots are going to be, Jay. So, yes, I appreciate it. We'll talk to you again. Jay Jaffe as we continue here on Sports Talk. 19 in front of 5. We have more in a moment. We're live. Union Draft House, Sunland Park uh, with 600 ESPN El Paso. A redshirt sophomore who was uh, coming off of a, a big performance last night, a big season, and uh, great to see you again. Last time I saw you was the summer. How are things going? going great it's just the ending of our postseason it's like we've been through so much adversity diverse all of that that we've just for the last time we always talked like this is going to be one of our best teams that we've ever had and it's really i think it's showing and i think everyone in el paso can agree with us is it hard to explain what it's like playing in front of a crowd like you had last night i wouldn't say it's hard to explain it's just nice to know that the city of el paso supports us as much as we have support within each other because 
throughout the season, we've had more and more people come to our games and realizing, like, this team is special. And then now that we're 13-0 at home, it just proves, like, we have something to show for the city and just, like, for our school and for the university. So I'm always wondering, like, what it's like as an athlete having that kind of a crowd there pumping you up and really how they explode on every big point mm-hmm. and, and what that does just to fire you up during a match. Not like you need to be fired up, but still what, it, what that's like for you. When you run out before warm-ups, you just get instant chills just seeing how many people are in there and how much they cheer for you. And then once the game keeps going, it's like you really feed off of their energy. And yesterday, after the third set, um, while we were in the huddle, I just kept saying to them, like, we're not going to lose how we did last time because we are a way better team with each other. Like, let's give the crowd something to cheer about again because that wasn't UTEP volleyball. Like, let's finish the game while we know we have, like, we can play. So you look at the adversity you faced all year, injuries and next uh, next person up kind of mentality. Uh, you're not surprised, are you, that the team is uh, here in the semifinals and having a chance to try to play for the NIVC championship? Not at all. I After the conference championships and us losing in the semifinals to, like, WKU, we knew that we were just as good as them, like, to even get there. But it was just, like, that one little step that we're just still, like, that close to making it there and it's just it's hard knowing like you can be that close but it's just this is another chance for us to prove to everyone like UTEP volleyball is a good team you know that match was tough because you had them on the ropes Mm -hmm. and I felt like in that fifth set when they had that replay review that took a long time it, it just you were never able to get back after that particular review. It mm-hmm. seemed like that was really something that Western uh, was able to use to their advantage. Right. And that's happened a couple times this season, too. Like, maybe not in fifth sets. It was, like, second or third sets. But it really does, like, when you know that could have been our, like, that should have been our point and everyone's, like, in it together and then that one point can just turn it. Like, when it was when we played at Western Kentucky, like, yeah. that one point after Sarah went down, it was like that was just the turning point. So it's we're in it together. Like we all fight together, we all lose together, we win together. So Torrance Lovesy with us here on Sports Talk. It's your third season with the Miners. Mm-hmm. So you did this a few years ago, uh, the NIVC, correct? That was your was that your first season or that would have been my first season, but that's when I was out with my first injury. So okay. I didn't get to play, but I was there getting to support and then just experience it through emotions and just being able to cheer my team on. So this is your first time actually playing in a situation mm-hmm. like this. I mean, yes. for you, uh, look, you've got two years of eligibility remaining after this, but this is really what, why you're playing and what it's all about, right? Yeah. Hopefully next year we're playing the NCAA, but, yeah, it's just – it's been a great experience being able to do this with the seniors that are left, especially after how conference ended. Do you ever get nervous? It's Adrian back here at our studio. Did you ever get nervous yesterday kind of thinking, internalizing, thinking that it's Clemson you're going up against, a team that you actually lost against? Do you ever get kind of that pregame jitters knowing you're going up against powers that be like that? Um, I wouldn't say that I get nervous just knowing that we – takes so much time throughout the week to prepare ourselves whether it be in practice with film with just what the coach like the information our coaches give us like we go in with so much confidence and then if something goes wrong throughout the match we get so much from our coaches and from each other that we never that's the difference from last year and this year too is like we have so much confidence in ourselves that we can push through that's why after the third set yesterday we had no doubt that we were going to finish it in the fourth 
And you did. That's exactly what you did. And yeah. by the way, what was it like watching the students storm the court after the match? Well, after, because we were, like, standing there. We're like, oh, my gosh, who's pushing us? And then we turn around, and they're all there. And we're like, this is, like, that's never happened before. And, like, it's so nice to see other students finally, like, want to experience it with us because they do so much, like, Minors support minors, and we talk about it with them all the time. And, like, we go and support them, and they've been, like, telling us, like, oh, you guys are actually really good. And we're like, yes, keep coming to our games because, like, we need everyone to realize, like, we can support each other, and you guys can experience how fun it is to actually be there with everyone. You also uh, had a chance to see uh, the, the Scotty Walden mm -hmm. experience yesterday. Did you, did you like when he went out there and basically decided to try to fire up the crowd a little bit too? Yes, he reminds me just as much as, like, Ben does when he dances in between – like timeouts and then like he gives so much energy because he wants El Paso to realize like the football team can be good and they need that for the university and we need people to come support when he dropped the mic and he started running I thought he was about to do a backflip or something I did not know what he was gonna do but I loved his energy and I actually got to meet him today and he's a great guy awesome uh meanwhile you know how badly this city wants a winner mm -hmm. you can see it just from the crowds you're having for mm -hmm. volleyball when football turns their program around mm -hmm. and men's basketball starts to win Sky's the limit here, isn't it? Yeah. We, there's just so much that I think comes down to sometimes as athletes, you start to like make it very individual. And I feel like when you have a good coach, like how Ben is, he's very team oriented. Like it's nothing about yourself. They talk about that with us all the time. It's like, stop thinking about yourself and really focus on the person next to you. Cause that will help you build. And I think. Um, the new football coach, he's going to do that for the football team, and I think that's really going to help them. If there are people that have never been to a match before, and let's say Sunday you're back mm -hmm. at Memorial Gym and you're hosting either uh, of these two teams right now, South Florida or uh, or, or is it uh, it's Georgia? Georgia Southern. Georgia Southern, yeah. right. How would you uh, best explain what a match at Memorial, a volleyball match for the minors is like? Oh, Lord. There's so many different emotions that happen, like – I would say we're a very energetic, outgoing team, and you can see that the way that we celebrate. Um, if you've never experienced a volleyball game before, you just have to show up and see for yourself because the fact that we can get over 3,600 people there, it proves that we have something to show for you guys. And I think we still have two games left in us for sure that we can give to the city of El Paso. Well, I'm excited. Hopefully we're back Sunday and didn't yes. get a chance to win that title. That would be terrific. Yes. Great to see you, Torrance. Thanks Thank so you. much for joining us, and uh, we'll look forward to talking to some of your teammates here coming up. Perfect. Thank you. You got it. Torrance Lovesey, folks, as we continue on Sports Talk. When we return, more of the UTEP volleyball team. They're here. We're here. Union Draft House, Sunland Park. Come on down and join us. We're here with you till 615, 600 ESPN El Paso. Every single Thursday, not to mention Dollar Pizza Day every Wednesday. And uh, holiday parties, folks, it's right around the corner. Don't waste, uh, don't wait any more time until it's too late. You want to book those parties now at any of the five locations for Union Draft House. Here at Sunland, uh, also on the west side, Cimarron Canyons. And then east side at Tierra Este, East Lake, and George Dieter. You can book your holiday parties out here at Union Draft House. Well, we have another member of the uh, UTEP volleyball team with us right now, excited about having a chance to meet Kaya Weaver for the first time. Welcome aboard, and uh, great to see you. How are you? Thank you so much. I'm so good. Well, it is great to have you. It's your first trip with us on the show, and I'll tell you what. Um, I, I was telling your teammate, uh, Torrance loves you this a little while ago, 
You know, we've had players on throughout the season. I don't know how we haven't had a chance to have you on yet because <laughs> you've uh, just been uh, terrific ever since your freshman year. You're all CUSA freshman, and now uh, just having an opportunity to help lead this team as a sophomore. Tell me a little bit about how your time at UTEP has gone for you so far. Um, I think it's been amazing. Um, I've grown in every aspect, and I'm still getting better. Like I feel like with coach wallace we've like barely scratched the surface that we that's what he tells me all the time and it's been amazing like i love my teammates so much and it's so fun to go through this whole experience with them since last year and now and i love el paso i love the city i love all the people how do you describe the season so far because here you are you're in the semifinals of the nivc i know the ncaa tournament is your goal it's everybody's goal to start of the year kaya but you look at the run you're having right now the crowds you're drawing how do you put all that into words um i honestly don't know what words to put it into because from the very beginning of our season like we started off beating Washington and they were receiving votes for the top 25 so we started off strong and then it got a little rough mid-season of course we lost Sarah Pustahia and that was really rough on all of us but I feel like we really found our identity again as a team and as a culture and like as a unit and I feel like it's been amazing ever since. You mentioned Sarah Pustahia's injury what does she mean to this team especially when you have her uh, healthy? Um, so much. She means so much to all of us. I love Sarah. Everyone loves her. She's just, she's been so positive ever since it happened, and we've been with her for every single moment. So, I mean, we play for her. I, all of us play for her. I have a big thing for playing for her. So, I mean, she's with us through every step. Uh, you've, you've had terrific crowds so far, really. Uh, 2,600 last Friday night at Memorial Gym. Then over uh, about twelve or 1,300 for the Saturday match. And then you follow that up with uh, 3,600 last night. I mean, that's just a, a mind-boggling number. But if you were at Memorial and you saw the crowd and saw the excitement and the energy, how do you describe what that does to you and your teammates? It, it gets us going. Like, we really, like, play so much better at home than away because everyone just, El Paso has our back when we're in Memorial. Um, it's actually kind of funny because sometimes, like, it's so loud when, like, we're in service Eve that we can't, like, hear our setters talking to us. Like, we can't hear back row. But, I mean, that's the cheer that gets us going. They cheer every point like we just won the game. So it's really nice to hear. As a middle blocker, your job is to do just that, block uh, spikes and, and shots coming over the net. I believe I was looking at the numbers. You have about 164 total blocks this year, which is a huge number. But you also have a ton of kills. In fact, you had, I think, 10 kills last night against Clemson and eight blocks. So yeah. you tell me, what do you enjoy more? Do you enjoy getting the point more off of blocking shots, or do you like to finish it home and, and, and spike it? Um. I did, I think I'm going to have to say on a kill. I'm going to that's that's the point I like. I really do like blocking a lot. Blocking is really fun, but I think getting the point on a kill is really nice. That's my favorite. I don't know too many teams that have as many blocks as what we'll see from you. I feel like in one of the things that Coach Wallace has told us time and time is how many of your athletes uh, on, on your team, your fellow teammates, can, can all jump 10 feet or more. And when you think about that type of, of ability and vertical leaping ability, it gives you the chance to really control the net, doesn't it? Yes, so much. So much ability. We all touch crazy numbers. Like even our back row players still jump up high. Um, it's We definitely use it to our advantage whenever we can. I feel like we're really smart with our hands this year. We've gotten a lot more disciplined at it. So yeah, we use it to our best ability. All right, so you tell me. Uh, I'm looking at, really, for you, uh, your numbers, your 6'2". Uh, I mean, if you had to, would dunking a basketball be no problem? I'm going to say I hope so, yeah. I can touch the rim, but I haven't tried with the basketball yet. I used to play basketball. You but, did? Yeah. 
Did you always gravitate more towards volleyball than basketball? No. So actually, funny story. So I um, I started playing volleyball my freshman year of high school because we had a family friend coaching varsity. And then COVID hit my sophomore year, so I took it as a sign to quit basketball. And I'd been playing, like, all of my life. And then I just fell in love with volleyball. So I quit basketball, and then I kept playing volleyball from there. And I put all my time into it and my dedication. So Tell me about why you decided for you COVID was a sign to quit basketball. Because you could have said COVID was a sign to quit volleyball. So how come basketball versus volleyball? Well, honestly, I think I was falling out of love with basketball. And finding out that I was, like, good at volleyball and that I actually really enjoyed it more than I did basketball, I think I just took it in that kind of sense because I was already on the fence of continuing to play basketball anyway so I took COVID as a really big sign. Kaya I I wonder also for you was volleyball something that you picked up pretty quickly or did it take you a little while because getting a scholarship out of high school means four years of volleyball and here you are playing division one for the minors so was it something that for you being athletic you just immediately were able to gravitate towards it yeah i think so i mean everyone kind of starts off really slow and i joined a club a local club and then i gravitated towards one that was like 40 minutes away from my house um and i got better there like i continued to get better from high school and then club for the next like two and a half years because covid shut down some of that but I definitely think I got situated to it, like, really fast. And I just – I kept putting, like, a lot of hard work and dedication, like I told you, and I just got better every single day. So, yeah. You're from Galt, uh, California. Tell us where Galt is. Galt, California is in um, – it's 40 minutes south of Sacramento. Um, so it's a really small town. I, I call it, like, a pit stop town because that's where everyone really stops to, like, get drinks or, like, go to the gas station or get food. But it's a, it's an amazing little town. Galt stands for Great American Little Town. So I love it. I love and, and, and it's Northern California for it because you're not that far from San Francisco. Yeah. And uh, in that area. So uh, was, is volleyball uh, pretty popular over there in Northern California? Yeah, it's pretty popular in Northern California. I wouldn't say Galt. I feel like in Galt, soccer is more of the sport. But, um, yeah, it's, it's pretty popular in Northern California. It's very competitive. You've got a lot of uh, young talent on this team. You've got some older veterans as well. Have you assumed the leadership role pretty much ever since you stepped on this campus as a freshman? Um, I honestly, I'm not sure yet. I have no idea. I think that we have a, a leadership role called the Energy Bus, and Secure LaCour is that for us, and she does an amazing job at it. But sometimes I, like, help her with it because I'm very energetic. Like, at practices, I'm always dancing. Like, especially with Alianza Darley, like, we are, like, we're always dancing. We always get us going. So, I mean, I'm pretty sure next year, I think, is the time where it's to step up. But, yeah. I haven't heard about Energy Bus before. This is the first <laughs> I've heard of it. So, explain to me the origin of Energy Bus and what this is about. So, the Energy Bus is someone that just drives the bus for everyone, and they get us going. They get us loud. They get us, like, honking like a bus does. So, they get us loud and yelling. They keep our energy up. They make sure that, like, it's not silent during practice. Because sometimes we play music, and sometimes when we don't, it's like we forget that it's not super loud in there. So, it just keeps our spirits up. It keeps everyone's body language up. Yeah. Kaya Weaver with us here on Sports Talk. I've been told that this is a very um, fun, loose bunch of uh, athletes. That's what uh, we've always heard from, from Coach before when he's talked about you. He said that when this team needs to get down to business, they will do just that. But you have a lot of fun in the process. You don't take yourselves too seriously, and you just try to have as much fun while winning as many matches as you can. Yeah. Yeah. Is that pretty accurate? Yes, very accurate. Every time like we get stressed up, we're just like just have fun. I mean, that's that's probably like our biggest like motto on our team. Nothing's easy, but have fun. Like that's what we do all the time. How close is this team uh, really off the court as well as on? 
very close. I feel like we all hang out with each other off the court. Like, I feel like this now, like, even if it wasn't a team thing, I feel like we would have done something anyway. Um, we're really close. You can talk to anyone. Like, me personally, I feel like I can talk to anyone and, like, not have anything against them. Like, we all go on really well. So, um, I heard somebody say a couple of days ago, well, why aren't they playing at the Don Haskins Center? Why are they playing at Memorial Gym? You tell me, as somebody who's played all your home games at Memorial, but you've been to the Haskins Center to watch the men's team or the women's team play, do you feel like home court advantage, there is nothing tougher for an opposing team than having to play at Memorial? I Yeah, definitely. I, I feel like it's super hard to play at Memorial. I feel like I would not be focused at all if I was the other team playing against UTEP. And hopefully I'm never in that situation. But I I think it's amazing. And I feel like the atmosphere would be the same in the dawn. It's just there's more people there, and I feel like it's going to be even louder. But Memorial, I feel like we have a really big home court advantage because, like I said before, it's small, but it's not big, you know. But um, it's just it gets it rocking. Like we call it Club Memorial. Nice. What do you like the most about UTEP and El Paso so far since you've been here? Um, I love the food. I love scenic drive, like the overlook of all of El Paso. I really love that. I love the people so much. Like, I just love going out. Like, I don't even have to be wearing volleyball, and everyone's like, good game yesterday or, like, good job. Like, you guys are doing well. Like, I love that so much. They know. They yeah. know you. That's yeah. right. Yeah. That's cool. Uh, you said you're, you like food. You're, are you a foodie? Would you classify yourself as one? Yeah, I'm a big foodie. I love food. Like, all types of food. So. What's your favorite? So far in El Paso, what have you had that you say is just is just the best? You, get, you can't go without it. I'm going to have to say Leo's Mexican restaurant up um, by Walmart. That's yeah. definitely Maddie Gant and I were roommates. And so we go all the time. Like every time we have family here, we take them there. I love Leo's so much. Um, we like noodles and dumplings a lot too because I've never had like that type of food near me. Because mm-hmm. um, not in Galt, like there's not like a big like option for food. Um, but yeah, noodles and dumplings, queflata is really good. All right, what's your go-to Mexican dish? If you have to have one thing, what do you eat? Um, probably either enchiladas or a burrito. Oh, nice. As yeah. far as the enchiladas go, green or red? Green. All right. Mm-hmm. See, we're lear- we're learning now. <laughs> were you a uh, were you a Mexican food connoisseur before you came to El Paso? Yeah. So Galt has a lot of really really good food trucks, and I actually can't wait to have those whenever we get back because it's just it's authentic and everything is like. Since Galt is so small, like, our population is, like, 22,000. So we really, like, everything's made from the heart there. Like, I love the food there, and the people are even better. Like, some of them I grew up with. So, yeah, it's cool. As soon as this season wraps up, it's the start of beach volleyball season. Are you playing on the beach team? No, I will not. I'll be playing beach. I like beach volleyball, but I feel like I like it as, like, a fun thing to do, like, during the day. But I don't know if I could do it collegiately, I feel like. There's a lot going into it. I feel like it's really hard to jump in beach and move around, so it's going to be hard to get acclimated to that. I know this also sounds kind of crazy, but could there ever be such a thing as volleyball burnout where when you go from indoor right to beach, it's like you're playing so much volleyball, you almost want to give yourself just a little bit of a break? I feel like it's possible, but at least with me, I feel like I can't get burned out of volleyball because I love it so much, and there's so many different things that it can do for you. Like, sometimes it's like people's escape, and that's what it is for me. So I don't think I could burn out of it if I did play beach yeah. after indoor. But. Have we uh, figured out a way to get you an NIL deal at Leo's yet? Has that happened? Um, no, but I really wish it could happen. <laughs> All right. Uh, we gotta, we got to talk to some people. You know, they've got a thing called the Mr. T special. Maybe we could find a way to, to, to name it after you or something <laughs> like that. It would be kind of fun. Yeah, that would be cool. That would be actually really cool. But, awesome. Yeah. Hey, Kai, it was great to meet you. Thanks so much for spending some time with us, and uh, look forward to the next time we get to chat with you. Thank you so much. You got it. She's Kaya Weaver, folks, of the UTEP volleyball team as we continue. 17 past the hour. We are live. Union Draft House. More sports talk in a moment. But first, let's go to Charlie 1 and get this traffic update.
21 past the hour. We're back right now live out here at uh, Union Draft House uh, at Sutherland Park, folks. It's our location today. We're here because the Utah volleyball team is here for their watch party, scouting if it's going to be Georgia Southern or South Florida. Right now they're tied at 17 in the third set. South Florida leads, however, two games to none in their best of five. So if South Florida can beat Georgia Southern in straight sets, they will meet the Miners in the NIVC semis. And then we'll find out if it's going to be either out there in Florida or if it will be here at Memorial Gym. Meanwhile, tomorrow's show is going to be um, epic. That's the best way to put it. Um, I am going to be out, and Adrian is going to be out. So with the two of us both out of commission tomorrow, we were trying to figure out what would make the most sense. So, Adrian, you know as well as I do, when we started talking about this, for us – the fill-in host, it was an absolute no-brainer. That's exactly right. We always turn to the Brain Trust. We turn to Lane Frank. We turn to Zay Galindo. But we have a new member of this group, uh, which is now turned into a trio, I should say. And it is UTEP starting quarterback Cade McConnell, who will be officially making his internship official on 600 ESPN El Paso come January. So uh, we're turning the page of December. He leaves town after tomorrow. So this will be the last time we hear from Cade McConnell for a while here on this show. In fact, there was a little bit of negotiating. I know you probably felt uh, a little guilty. Not me. I didn't feel guilty at all because I was trying to tell Kate, hey, listen, I know you're planning on heading back home, but uh, put it off a day and you can take the three-hour show with Lane and Zay and have the, uh, and have the, two of, uh, the three of them work together. And once Cade said that he was in, I was pretty excited about it because Lane has been asking me for the last few weeks, when can Cade come back on the show with me? It's the greatest. This is so funny. And I'm like, soon. I promise you, soon. I didn't realize it was going to be tomorrow, but that's how quickly we were able to put this thing together. That's exactly right. I mean, uh, Lane's enthusiasm mixed with Cade's uh, understanding and flexibility with the schedule, plus yep. Zay, who is, by the way, uh, anybody out there, you got to start watching some Chape and Track because our very own Zay Galindo will be a part of it. He's going to be uh, trying to get out of track practice early, so this can happen as uh, as soon as tomorrow, starting at 4 o'clock, and they're going for three hours, 4 to 7 tomorrow, wow. 600 ESPN El Paso. Four hour, or three hours tomorrow, four to seven. And by the way, um, already Lane posting on Instagram at Schoolyard Sports has said that he will. Be, he's already got a great post, and it shows Lane with um, the background from the Pump Brothers foundation celebrity uh dinner and he has superimposed the espn radio logo right on the top left and says i am hosting espn 600 radio tomorrow from 4 to 7 p.m mountain time again co-hosting will be utep starting quarterback cade mcconnell and he's pulling strings i don't know how he did this let's be honest adrian let me just put this into perspective okay we are the UTEP flagship. Therefore, when um, we were on location at Memorial Gym yesterday 
and we asked to have new head coach Scotty Walden with us on the program. They were kind enough to give him uh, the opportunity to join us in our last 20 minutes of the show. So we finished off with Scotty. If you missed the conversation, we've got it up on the podcast, uh, listening on demand, wherever you listen to 600 ESPN El Paso from yesterday's show. And it was a lot of fun. However, yesterday I get word that not only will Lane uh, be ready to go with Cade, but they have already lined up Scotty Walden as an in-studio interview tomorrow during Sports Talk with Lane and Cade. And I'm not surprised because one thing I've learned about Lane Frank, he is aggressive and he will find a way to book anybody he can for his shows whenever he's hosting. Well, think about the new UTEP head coach, Scotty Walden, right? Because he told everybody, media members, fans who were there yesterday at the introductory press conference, the UTEP admin, he told everybody, I'm not about taking no for an answer. That's kind of like Lane Frank, right? He's not taking any no for an answer here. He, he uh, went out on his own, got a chance to get Scotty Walden on the show tomorrow. So not only did we get a chance to have him for 20 minutes yesterday, but he will be spending 20 minutes with Cade, Zay, and Lane tomorrow. I don't know how he pulled this off. This is is amazing stuff there by Lane. He's well ahead of his age right now, booking guests like this. And, uh, yeah, I'm just ready for it. And you know Lane. He doesn't sugarcoat anything. The first question is going to be off the top rope. Why are you the right man for the job? It's going to be a hard-hitting question, and it's up to Coach Walden to answer that one right there. How about this? Um, Lane sent me a text he received from Coach Walden's director of operations. I don't even know who the guy is. And he's already, like, sending me, like, the confirmation of the show and doing this and booking windows. And I'm like, wow. I mean, we just met Coach Walden. I didn't even know he had a director of ops. And apparently the director of ops is working directly with Lane, and they're putting these interviews together. So That's pretty amazing. Again. It is amazing. Like I'm I'm learning I'm learning as we go with this. So but the good news is I'm feeling better and better about leaving the show to those two when they're both in town and uh, the two of us uh, either need a day off uh, vacation or we're not not around. Oh, yeah. I mean, first off, Cade was talking to me earlier in the week and said that Lane and him have been going back and forth on topics that they are going to discuss. Uh, we could also <laughs> expect to hear from executive director of the Tony the Tiger Sun Bowl, Bernie Olivas, tomorrow. See, we couldn't even get Bernie Olivas for our weekly uh, Tony the Tiger Sun Bowl uh, Chick-fil-A pick'em contest like we nope. usually do. But nope. Lane Frank able to pull the strings, getting Bernie on tomorrow with the gang, with Cade and Zay. And then also on top of that... now. Now, now, to all our li- listeners out there, I don't honestly expect Lane to pull this off. But for him to shoot this this high, I give him a lot of credit. And he probably won't talk about this tomorrow if this doesn't happen. But he told uh, members of tomorrow's broadcast that he is shooting to try to get Notre Dame head coach Marcus Freeman to call in uh, on the show. With you a want big to know maybe. something? I wouldn't be surprised if it happens. It wouldn't surprise me. Well, you know, the one guy I was really hoping he would get to call in tomorrow and use his connections is Jim Harbaugh. That's the guy who I was expecting to hear from. After all, 
uh, Lane knows the president of Michigan. He uh, could pull a few strings there. So I was uh, I was actually hoping that Jimmy Harbaugh would call in to the program since Lane is the biggest Michigan fan on the planet in El Paso. But I think uh, Marcus Freeman would not be a, a bad choice either. Yeah, I could actually see J.J. McCarthy, maybe even Blake Corum <laughs> calling in tomorrow. Maybe Aiden Hutchinson, an, an alum for Michigan, giving his two cents on the college football playoff. Don't don't be surprised if these things happen tomorrow on Sports Talk. And then, by the way, uh, Cade, I was talking to him. He was like, yeah, maybe my brother will call in. You know, some of my family member will call in. And that's all cool stuff. I'm actually really excited that we're going to have a great listening audience tomorrow from the state of California on our streaming uh, you know, services. You but uh, Lane is definitely doing something big right now and trying to book some guests. That'll be good. Um we just have to make sure that they can turn on the control board and know exactly where the mics are and everything else. Because that, that's the one thing I got to say with this yeah. whole thing, Adrian, is we got to make sure that the studio is prepped for them so that they will be good to go when they go on the air tomorrow. We Which have, means, you know, well, don't take their say. headphones, don't steal their equipment, KLAQ or KISS, leave the equipment where it belongs, right where it is. And let's make sure that way we're smooth and easy to go. That's exactly where I was headed with this, Steve. KLAQ Kiss, please. I mean, I'm going to have to text our boy Angel Munoz, who's now with uh, 93.1 Kiss FM in the mornings, to please, please make sure that the headphones are plugged in uh, by the time the guys are in, in the studio. Yeah, that's exactly right. That is exactly right. Oh, man, it's going to be fun. Can't wait. Tomorrow, 4-7, to seven, Caden McConnell, Lane Frank, UTEP Zay. Oh, it's going to be happening, folks, and it will be happening right here on 600 ESPN El Paso. All right, let's get back to Adrian. He's standing by. He's got a bottom-of-the-hour Sports Center update. We've got about um, 45 minutes left to go before Thursday night football takes over the airwaves. But when we return, controversy in Buffalo, and could it cost the Bills their head coach? We'll talk about it next, right after Adrian at Sports Center. Uh, South Florida had two match points against Georgia Southern, but now they're all tied up at 24 in the third set. South Florida leads it two sets to none. If they win, it'll be South Florida and UTEP coming up this weekend in the NIVC semifinals. All right. Um, so Sean McDermott, I guess this story that involved comments made in a 2019 tra- uh, training camp talk with the Buffalo Bills, have surfaced uh, today. And the comments he claimed were made to discuss the importance of communication and being on the same page with the team. In the process, he mentioned 9-11 in his message that day. And it's a, it's a really strange story. Strange, strange story. And by the way, uh, South Florida has just won the match, Adrian, uh, 26-24. So they now have a date with UTEP in the Fab Four of the 2023 NVIC tournament. There you go. UTEP knows their opponent. Uh, they were all there to watch it. They uh, probably scouted their opponent pretty well off this one. Then they're going to now go back and break down more film. But what a swift victory for South Florida there, Steve. Oh, no doubt. It was, uh, it was big. And uh, some of these uh, sets were close. But South Florida able to get the better end of Georgia Southern. And now 
They're going to be heading on to take on the Miners. By the way, on the other side of the bracket, it's Wichita State and Montana State. It's very possible that UTEP ends up hosting semifinals and championships. We'll see. It's going to be really interesting, though, because the Fab Four will be taking place sometime this weekend. All right. So back to McDermott for a second, head coach of the Buffalo Bills. He told players in a speech back in 2019 to come together. And apparently what he said was that the terrorists on 9-11 were an example of coming together. He asked players in the room questions about how the attacks were executed referencing the hijackers getting on the same page. Multiple players who were with the team at the time confirmed the story to ESPN. Others who were there told ESPN they did not recall it. When asked why he mentioned 9-11 and whether hijackers were specifically referenced as an example of a group coming together, McDermott said, and I quote, it was mentioning 9-11 in the context of the team meeting. The goal of the team meeting was the importance of communication and being on the same page as a team. Now, today, McDermott spoke to the media in an unscheduled news conference after practice that lasted about six minutes, said he made the reference during the meeting for, quote, awareness around a horrific event more than anything and a situation that I lost, as I mentioned, a family friend, really multiple family friends. That was it, end quote. So the question is this, Adrian. You're trying to get your players on the same page. Of all the examples you could possibly use in reference of illustrating your point, how do you actually go with 9-11 and hijackers as a way to try to get your point across to your team? Yeah, I don't like that at all, and for obvious reasons, this is uh, something that you don't reference for any any light like that kind of thing. It's something that we remember on the day it happened, 9-11, and we uh, honor those who passed away in such a horrific, tragic, uh, you know, something that a terrorist attack that, that came out uh, from, you know, not here in the United States, a terrorist attack that was coming to inflict pain on the United States. So for this right here, I just don't like the example that's used whatsoever by McDermott. I, I would hope that the ownership and the front office holds him accountable for saying things like this because it has no business to be uh, in any sort of team meeting, even if it was a couple years ago. So the question is this, okay? He was hired as the head coach in 2017. In June, he signed a contract extension that keeps him in Buffalo through 2027. If you're the Buffalo Bills... Do you fire Sean McDermott for remarks made four years ago that are just surfacing now that had these remarks come out in 2019, probably would have lost his job on the spot. Now that it's being said what he said four years ago in training camp, is it something that Sean McDermott should lose his job over? Yeah, I don't that's know. A really, that's a really, really tough answer because a lot of people especially new yorkers and believe me i listened to a lot of uh new york radio today uh believe that sean mcdermott absolutely 
uh, should be out of a job after uh, after what he said. Yeah, think about the proximity too. Being in the state of New York uh, for the Buffalo Bills, yep. and how many fans who live in New York City root for the Buffalo Bills? That's uh, you know that's not uh, that's kind of a slap in the face to them, and that's obviously something. Uh, it's such a sensitive subject still. Still, that this uh, cannot go well, lightly as far as just saying simple locker room talk or speech talk. And a little more details from the tweet that was sent by Adam Schefter. He said that uh, the hijackers were a group of people who were all able to get on the same page to orchestrate attacks to perfection. One by one, McDermott started asking specific players in the room questions. What tactics do you think they used to come together? A young player tried to... Uh, methodically answer, what do you think their biggest obstacle was? A veteran answered TSA, which uh, lightened the mood. Listen, truth is, this is a weird subject. I don't know what goes on in locker rooms, but this is not something I think would go on. It's a very, very uncomfortable situation. And, man, I don't know. The Bills are having issues. This story comes out. Um, You just wonder what the fallout's going to be when it's all said and done. Yeah, and I got to give a lot of credit to Tyler Dunn. He is the author of Go Long, a website actually that humanizes pro football journalism, profiles, Q&As, podcasts, and then deep dives that capture the spirit of the sport. He's somebody who uh, uncovered this story right there, confirmed it by multiple players who witnessed this story happen in 2019, and went off on a long story talking about some other problems that Sean McDermott might be uh, having in his locker room by the way that he talks to players and coaches, his style and stuff like that. So this might be, Steve, one uh, example of a bigger issue that Sean McDermott might be having in his locker room, and that might be a lack of control over the Bills and everybody. That's so true. 20 in front of 6 right now as we continue here on Sports Talk. 505-6009. We are live out here at Union Draft House, Sunland Park. 100 beers on tap, handcrafted food, Beautiful service, not to mention holiday parties. Hey, you want to book those holiday parties? They have five locations all around El Paso. Here at Sunland, uh, also on the far west side at Cimarron Canyons, Tierra, uh, Tierra Este, East Lake, and George Deed are all on the east side of El Paso. More in a moment. Stay with us. Sports Talk continues, 600 ESPN El Paso. But I really enjoyed it. i definitely come back. So now we know your opponents. We found that out about uh, 10 minutes ago. Yes. South Florida. I'm sure you had a chance to watch the match. What uh, what impressed you about uh, their performance today over Georgia Southern? Uh, their outside performed really well. They were scoring like at will on the outside on the pin. So that's definitely something we're keeping an eye on and going to have to get a stop on early. All right. Fair enough. Um, we also found out uh, if this matchup would be in Florida or here in El Paso. Why don't you go ahead and uh, break the news for everybody, Sakira? Yeah, we'll be playing here on Sunday at 1.30 p.m. Um, yeah, we're hosting again semifinals. It's exciting, isn't it? Super excited. Yeah, after last night, now I know why you've got a big smile on mm-hmm. your face. Yeah, super excited. The crowd was amazing this last game, so we're really excited to be hosting again. Crowd's been good all year for the most part, but this tournament in particular, last Friday and uh, last night, the crowd really stepped up in a big way, didn't they? Yeah, it's amazing to see the support that we have. It makes us feel really good. Even just like when I go around town, I have people coming up to me, which makes it all more special, especially with this being my last year. Having this much support around us is really exciting. How's uh, this year in El Paso been for you since you arrived? Yeah, I've loved it. I loved every second. It's been great. I'm so happy I'm ending my career here of all places. I've never regretted my decision once. I always look forward to every game, practice, everything. 
as one of the veterans on this team, there's a nice mix. I've talked about that with some of the younger players who were here with us a little while ago. We had Kaya. We had Torrance as well. Um, you tell me, is this just one of those group of, uh, of, of ladies where everybody just kind of fits in nicely and, and really knows their roles on and off the court? Yeah, I would say this is like the most cohesive team I've ever played on. I think everyone knows their roles. Everyone knows when they need to step up, play their play their role. Um, and everyone's just really supportive of each other, and the chemistry is really good, so that makes it easy to play on. How did the coaching staff find you and get you over here for your senior, for your graduate season? Yeah, so I was playing at Oral Roberts out in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and we hosted a tournament last year, and UTEP was in that tournament. And so, you know, I had known Ben for a while. He's known my mom for a long time, so we talked to him and stuff after the game, and, you know, he liked the way I played. Obviously, they scouted our team and so you know once I entered the transfer portal he was the first person to reach out and I came on my visit it was my second visit after I went to UCA and um, I immediately fell in love and I knew I wanted to be here right after my visit tell me how much does El Paso remind you of Albuquerque it's so similar it was like the first day I was out here I was riding around town with Ollie um, because we're roommates and I was like this is literally like Albuquerque it's so similar which is nice because it's I'm still getting my space but it's nice to be reminded of home in terms of the team, uh, it's been uh, really for you and I'm sure for everybody here a pretty uh, pretty successful season. You wanted that NCAA tournament trip. I'm sure that was your goal when you arrived. Uh, things didn't work out that way, but now you're getting a chance to make the most of it here in the postseason. Yeah, definitely. I mean, yeah, we, we wanted to go to that and make that NCAA tournament run, but I mean... This is our opportunity to still be successful and end our season with a W. I mean, only two teams in the country get to end on a win, and that's in this tournament and the NCAA tournament, and so we're, that's our next goal. Sakira LaCour with us here on Sports Talk. You tell me, how much talent is on this team when you really look at the roster up and down? On our team? Yep. We're just so well-rounded. I mean, you, I, I think about if, we were, if I was playing against our team, I don't know who I'd try to stop. There's so many like weapons offensively, and then defensively we have one of the best blocks in the nation. And we have a really good libero. Obviously, our back row is solid, especially when we're serving well. We're really, really hard to stop. So I received a question on our app. I'm going to read this to you. This comes from Coach Fab, okay? And here's what he says. I'm throwing this out there. Renovate Memorial Gym or knock it down and build a new facility for volleyball. Mm -hmm. Thoughts. Now, I'm going to get your thoughts in a moment, but I'm just going to tell you, I'm nostalgic. I really like old facilities that to me come alive with the ghosts of the past when you fill it up and the place gets noisy and loud and if you rebuilt memorial gym i feel like you would lose some of that so i'm a big fan of playing in an old style arena that is loud it's intimate and the crowd really gets involved but it's an interesting question coach fab brings up you tell me your reaction to that yeah i mean i've heard a lot of that especially with these last couple games selling out as they have um I like the environment that we have, and I know last night was probably one of the – this was the biggest crowd in volleyball history, but it was one of like the only times we've sold out that arena um, since men's basketball had played in there. And so that's that was really special for us. And I know it is packed, it is tight, but it makes the environment so different from anywhere else you can play in the country. You can make a bigger arena, but you can't recreate that atmosphere. Well, this is your fifth year now uh, playing yeah. volleyball. How would you say that the crowds here in El Paso compared to what you've seen throughout your career? This is any, unlike any place I've ever played at. This is the most people I've ever played in front of. And just how loud it is and how supportive everyone is. It's When you're standing on the floor and the other team's serving and at the entire crowd is just screaming, It is I just can't help but smile because of how incredible it is. I guess it also shows you that El Paso is a volleyball town. And yes. more than anything else, 
fans love a winner. And when you put a good product on the court and you're winning, now you know the community's backing you and they're there for you the whole way. Yes, 100%. We feel the support every day through social media and through the support we get at our games, so we love it. All right, Sakira. So you tell me, once it's all said and done, what, what's going to be next up for you? What are your plans uh, following UTEP? So I'm planning to graduate with my master's in leadership studies, um, and I'm trying to start an internship here in the spring out here in El Paso, um, possibly after this semester moving out to Arizona for another job opportunity, um, more in real estate in that one, but okay. not sure yet. It's in different different opportunities and different types of jobs. So so what kind of internship are you interested in? What, what uh, What's piquing your interest here? Um, so my undergrad is in psychology, and so there's some opportunities for an internship in men- the mental health field um, out here that I'll have to kind of look into. Um maybe some phd opportunities so looking into that and we'll see good for you in the meantime enjoy the ride because as i've heard from everybody and i'm sure you'll say the same thing it's been great so far but you still have some work to do oh lots of work to do we still have two games ahead of us and we plan to win it so awesome nice to meet you sakira thanks Thanks. for being here and the best of luck the rest of the way thank you for having me you got it we'll come back wrap things up final 15 minutes sports talk continues 600 espn el paso